and welcome to this week's episode of Ball Talk. It's been another interesting week in football. The AFL season return is less than a week away, but we'll be missing a couple of big names with soft tissue injuries. AFL Victoria asked for a clear roadmap from the state government on returning to play for community football. Two Melbourne Metropolitan Leagues, the NFNL and the EFNL, announced the cancellation of their seasons. Although on a positive note, the Eastern League will continue with their juniors. And on the local scene, our players are now able to train in groups of 20, with two groups allowed per oval. Still with protocols in place for sanitisation and social distancing, but it is another step forward towards the 12th of July possible season return. On this week's program, we speak to Andrew Delwood, Director of Wigley Park Physiotherapy Centre in Mulgrave, and long-time club supporter and sponsor about returning to play, and we meet the Stitzers, under-14 girls player Piper, and retiring canteen manager Wendy. Our next guest is from outside the club. He's one of the uh, club supporters and sponsors. It's uh, Andrew Delwood, the director of Waverley Park Physiotherapy Centre in, in Mulgrave. We have Andrew on today to talk about being ready to play. We've all been a little bit idle over the, the last couple of months, and we might have done some light exercises like walking or bike riding, etc. but we probably haven't done the right sort of stuff to be ready to play football. So we've got Andrew on to give us some advice about being ready to play. Welcome to Hawk Talk, Andrew. Thanks for having me, Lindsay. Good to talk to you. Now, probably before we get into what we need to consider before we're ready to play football, just tell us a little bit about your professional background. Um, I'm a physiotherapist um, and I trained back in the early 90s, so I'm 50 years of age and been a physio for 30 years. Um, I've worked locally at Waverley Park Physio since 1992 and been involved with, obviously, as a sponsor, but also helping to educate um, players and also parents and trainers with the Waverley Park Junior Footy Club for a number of years, and it's been great to be involved with the club over that time. Um, the business has got um, a variety of physiotherapists, male and female, and we're there eight until seven to try to help out. We really love being involved with local community and helping out people um, and getting people back to sport. Um, having three kids myself and watching them play sport, I think it's really a fundamental thing for kids' development to be involved in sport and team sport as well. I love my footy as well, so I like being involved with kids that play footy as well. And you have been connected with the South Metro Junior Football League through your daughters playing at East Sandringham at one point in time, weren't they? Yeah, that's right, and that was great to see the development of the girls' league take off um, with East Sandringham. My son played with East Sandringham for a period of time as well. Um, so, yeah, been uh, on both sides of the fence over a number of years, so it's been great to watch. Um, and, you know, been um, some of my uh, son's mates that were involved have now gone on to play uh, playing AFL, and I've got a good mate now who's been recently drafted. So I've watched the journey of lots of kids um, improve their skills and sports, sporting ability, and take it up to that elite level. So it's great to watch. But, you know, the, the elite level, as long as you're out and giving it a go, is really the key bit. And I suppose this transition that we're now going through after COVID is actually really probably an interesting point and an interesting time for us all to learn a little bit more about inactivity than returning to activity. Yeah, well, that's uh, the reason we really got you on today is to, is to talk about some of the concerns about returning and being ready to play. All of our teams 
well, all of our older teams had started pre-season before COVID struck. They've then stopped for effectively two to three months. And now that we've just resumed under some tight restrictions to do with uh, the COVID uh, virus. You got any, any tips or concerns about going from starting pre-season to nothing to back being at training and trying to be ready to play in about five or six weeks' time? Yeah, well, I think it's a really interesting time and even the elite clubs are trying to work their way and navigate through that. And I think in the last couple of weeks, we've had, I think, Trelaw at Collingwood did a calf. And I think this week, Buddy Franklin, unfortunately, and, and Reed at the Swans did soft tissue injuries. So I think everyone's a bit aware that the rapid decline and then rapid incline again back into activity is a bit of a risk factor. Um, one of the things that I, that I think is key to this part is, is that rapid change. Um, and I would, I would acknowledge that most kids probably haven't done as much physical activity in the last 12 weeks. That little bit of base that they had from that pre-season over that period 12 weeks ago will essentially be gone unless they've been continuing some form of running program. Now, I understand um, there was some Skype sessions done by Nick Thompson as well. That was correct. Am I right in understanding that? They, uh, they were doing some fitness-type uh, sessions uh, every Thursday for about 45 minutes, I think. Yeah, and that's fantastic. And now the, now I understand that the, the sessions will be only once a week, probably 45 minutes of training. So that time's really got to be spent, I would imagine, with the, the clubs, and that is actually just basing it on skill-based activities um, teamwork, um, utilising the quick reflex type drills. The other bit that's missing though will be the the running fitness and the strengthening that's probably dropped off a little bit over time. Um, so they're the things that I think probably everyone's got to plan a little bit to do some extra sessions externally. Um, we do know a little bit of the risks of injury when you've deloaded and then reload rapidly and that rapid change does lead to a little bit more chance of bone stress injuries muscle injuries um, that because the body's not used to that change of load in that rapid time. Um, we used to see a little bit of bone stress injuries in kids around the front of the knee, it was called Osgood Slatters, or around the heel, it was called Severs disease. Um, and we used to see those at Mulgrave, um, particularly when the kids went back at the start of pre-season. Um, usually in that January, February, March would be when we'd see kids coming in with that. And I'm concerned that that might be the case that comes again here as we the flexibility hasn't been maintained and then they start running around and moving reasonably actively. So those areas or those sites of a little bit of discomfort is probably something to watch for. Um, the only positive that we have compared to previously is that the ground's probably a bit softer now, which is great. Um, then those muscle injuries that can happen with that rapid change can be either light strains or up around with kids. Sometimes they strain around where the bones join up around the, the buttock of the higher hamstring or the lower hamstring or the higher quad of the areas that are more likely there. The other funny little bit that may show up is, is the kids will have grown as well with 12 weeks of growth particularly in that teenage years a lot of people grow a bit they may have lost a little bit of flexibility and their agility may have been lost a little bit i think the incidental activity that kids do do on a day-to-day -day basis at school and because they haven't been at school you know the lunchtime chasey or basketball or a little bit of activity as well as their pe is also being cut out so there's more than just the sport that at the footy level and the club level that's been eliminated in their program. So what would you 
what would be your advice to our coaches, um, parents, and our players um, in terms of slowly but surely building building up, being ready to play in in six weeks' time? Yeah, and I think I think everyone's got to realise that we have to. It has to be a slow transition, and I think in that month to six, in this month to six weeks, I think everyone's got to start bolting on some other sessions okay usually at this point in time of the year most people would be training twice and also playing a game and maybe sometimes school footy and basketball as well Um, i think if we're going to get back safely through this i think everyone's got to start looking at doing a running program Um, and we've discussed that probably running program might look like two or three four hundred meters maybe four lots of 200 meters six lots of 100 meters even eight lots of 25 meter sprints um, and looking at doing that once, at least once a week on top of the normal training. Um, and then looking at doing some strength-based stuff, um, incorporating some push-ups, some squats, lunges, some planks front on, side on, um, starting to do some calf raises. And usually we like people to get to around about 30 calf raises to be able to do it. Um, some glute bridges, most of these things, most people should know what those exercises are, but we're, we'll probably put together a a video sequence up on the website and put it out through the social media to give everyone a good reference. Um, and then uh, one of the other great exercises that I think is useful, particularly for flexibility, is touchdowns, um, standing on one leg, slowly touching the floor and then coming back up. Um, having that leg reasonably straight works at controlling through the hamstring. I think the strength sessions need to be done probably twice a week and we that strength session should probably take only 15 minutes. Um, so if you've got two strength sessions done and, or, and you could coordinate it being an individual session by yourself where you're doing some running and a strength session, you could go down with a mate and do the same sort of thing, take separate footballs and have a kick around afterwards as a separate session to the team training. Um, I think adding those little bits back in will prevent the, or reduce the risk of an overload component that may well come once the game comes. So those sessions you're talking about is mainly for our sort of the older age groups. What about what about the younger age groups, the the eights, nines, tens, elevens, etc.? What what would you recommend they do? Yeah, look, I think I think the key bit is is that as parents of kids and wanting our kids to go out and play, is that I think we've got to designate some extra time. So we've got to designate some extra time to go out do a little bit of fitness work with our kids. That means they go out and have another kick, a 20-minute, 30-minute kick of the footy around, um, getting them to run, pick up the ball, chase it, kick it away, just do some retrieval drills, kick the ball away, get them to pick it up, bounce it, bring it back, um, turn the fitness work into ball skills drills. So it's a combination of those two particular activities. Putting the ball on the ground, picking it up, running it over, handballing it, jumping, getting back down the ground, that getting down and getting back off the ground, getting that fitness and using your arms and your body and your legs to get yourself vertically again. Um, Practicing jumping up, you know, simpler other little drills can be rolling the balls along the ground, getting people to come back up and pick them up, but having a running component to it with with the younger kids. Um, But I think the parents have got to take on a little bit of role of that extra session of sport. I think there's multiple benefits for not only for returning to play to the sport, but just building up their overall conditioning back up, which a lot of kids will have lost over a period of time. I might just lighten it up now. I know you're a North Melbourne supporter. First up, I'll just ask, apart from North Melbourne, who do you think will win this year's AFL Premiership? Oh, do you, I... Oh, only the Kangaroos, of course. No, well, we're excluding uh, the Kangaroos. 
and we'll and we'll exclude the Saints. So we've narrowed it, narrowed it down to sixteen now. Uh, I think we can. I think we can put a line through Gold Coast as well. Um, I think probably the Tigers. Um, I think they've got a really strong base of players, um, but I think it might come down to injuries. You know, um, I think it'll be interesting to see which clubs manage it well. Um, I also think it'll be interesting for a time to watch a season where, if they get off all eighteen games, where each club only plays each other once, we might get a truer ladder or a true perspective where. We'll see where teams are. I'd like the Tigers. I think the Hawk, uh, the Pies, um, which probably will make a few people happy. But the Bolter might be something like Brisbane. Um, they'll play at home a fair bit. They've got a youthful list. They don't have too many aged players that will often get soft tissues. And they were certainly on the run last year. They finished well. My tip for the Brownlow, Marcus Bontempelli. Okay, he's my tip for the Brownlow. And he'd be obviously must be your favourite player in the AFL if you've tipped him for the Brownlow. Yeah, he's. I reckon he's great. And I don't even barrack for the I barrack for the Kangas, as you know. But I like watching players like him. He's smooth, good transition, good skills. Seems like a really fair, even player. Um, yeah, and a good leader. I reckon that he's got all the class attributes of a great player. Okay, now just to finish off, just a couple of this or that questions based 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 around the theme of North Melbourne, blue or white. Uh, blue. Wayne Carey, Glenn Archer, or Boomer Harvey? Oh, Wayne Carey's a standout as a player. Uh, Ron Barassi or Dennis Pagan? Um, was coached by Dennis Pagan, but I preferred Ron Barassi. Hobart or the Gold Coast? Oh, neither, please. You have you have to choose one. There's 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 no backing away. You can't can't pass. <laughs> um, when saw a game at the highlight. When saw a game at the Gold Coast, and my God, they don't they don't know when to cheer or clap up there. They've got no idea. I'll go Hobart and rug up for the rug up for the season. Wayne Schimmelbush or Keith Gregg? Oh, tough. Um, different players. Keith Gregg, absolute jet. Um, Shimmer Bush, absolute born leader. Um, oh, you go the classy high marking wingman who can kick on both feet. Go Keith Gregg, Jill Brownlow, medalist. Can't go beyond that. And then finally, 1975, 1977, 1996, or 1999. Um, oh, you got to go. You got to go 77 because you've beaten the pies, particularly in a replay. In a replay, yeah. And I, and I went with my dad who buried for Collingwood. So, yeah, worth, worth every moment. Okay, then. Thank, thanks, Andrew. That's, that's a wrap. I just want to thank you for your time today. Thank you for your ongoing support and uh, sponsorship of our club over a, a, a lengthy period of time and, and also everything that, that Waverley Park Physio does in terms of not only supporting our club but supporting a lot of the local community clubs in the area. So thanks, Andrew. Appreciate your time. This week we were hoping to announce the players who would help co-host the program, but sadly we have had no interest in the playing group to this point. So Nick Thompson has agreed to help co-host the program, and those who know Nick will tell you he has a great voice and head for a podcast show. I'm looking forward to working with Nick, and thank him for taking on yet another role with the club.
Our next guest is one of our under 14 girls, Piper Stitzer. Welcome to Hawk Talk, Piper. Hi, it's good to be here. Now, the last few months have been difficult for everyone, being being in uh, confinement. And you're a pretty active girl, so how have you managed your, your time and what have you been doing to keep yourself occupied during ISO lockdown? Well, every to every second day I'd go for a run and I've been using the Couch to 5K app and now I'm getting up to running about 5Ks without stopping. And I've also been doing like some workout. Now, I know you play cricket and football. Um, any other sports that you play and um, out of all the sports you do play, which, which one's your favourite? Well, other than footy and cricket, I do... I play netball and I also do dance. If I had to pick my favourite, it would probably be netball or football. Uh, I'd, like, I'd like to have heard the answer of football, but at least football football's up there with netball, so that's good. Um, how many years have you been playing football? So I started Auskick in 2015 and then in 2017 I started playing under-12s for the Waverley Park Hawks. Under-10s, yeah. So this will be your, uh, what, your fourth or fifth year? Fourth year. Fourth year. What is it you like about playing football? I like how it's a team sport and everyone lifts each other up, even, like, if someone was to kick, like, their first goal, everyone would, like, back up that player and, like, be really, really happy for them. Um, what's your most memorable moment in football, either playing over the last four years or just as a supporter? When, I think it would have to be when I presented Elisa Day from the Melbourne women's team with her playing Guernsey. Okay, so how did you get to do that? Well, I've gotten on, like, I've kept in touch with Sarah Lowe, who's the CEO for SMJFL and she contacted us and wanted me to go to the presentation, the presentation sort of night for the um, women's for Melbourne and I got to go up in front of like their family and present her with her jumper. Wow, that's fantastic. Do you have a nickname? I have two it's either stiz or pip okay just abbreviations of your name yeah now you mentioned sarah Lowe, um the ceo of the smjfl because you were one of the faces of the smjfl um play fair program with that big smile of yours um how did you feel about doing that it was a lot of fun but it does get a little bit weird at times when I go to away games and I sometimes see my face in the change rooms. It's a little bit weird, but you get used to it. Which AFL and AFLW teams do you follow? For AFL, I follow Carlton and AFLW, I follow Melbourne. So you're not following the uh, Carlton women's team? Well, I mean, I do, but, like, my main AFLW team is Melbourne. So who are your favourite 
AFL, AFL and AFLW players? For AFL for Carlton, I like Jack Silvani. And AFLW, I like Elisa Day. Now I'm going to ask you some of your, uh, what are your favourite type questions? So, what's your favourite food? My favourite food would probably have to be mango sorbet. Uh, favorite favorite lunchbox or school snack? Um, probably carrots and hummus. Oh, very healthy. <laughs> what about a favorite animal? A bunny rabbit. Do you have Do you have a pet bunny rabbit? I used to, and then it ran away. I'm assuming you've been to all the theme parks. Um, which is your favourite theme park? Probably Luna Park. And final one, in terms of uh, what's your favourite, um, what's the favourite place to go with your family? Uh, probably up to my nan and pop's farm because we get to see all the family. Okay, that's very good. Now, you said you're barrack for Carlton in the AFL. So if Carlton doesn't win the Premiership this year, who do you think will win the AFL Premiership? Oh, that's hard. Mm, I don't know. Rich, Richmond? Collingwood? West Coast? Probably Richmond. Oh, I was going to say St Kilda next, but uh, you've gone with Richmond. That's okay. Piper, well, well done. Thanks for your time. Really appreciate it. And um, all the very best for uh, your season with the under-14 girls. And thank you. Thank you. Just a further reminder about the Toyota Good for Football raffle where the proceeds from each ticket go directly to the club. This will most likely be our only major fundraiser this season, so we'd ask those who are able to purchase tickets to do so and to share the link to buy tickets with your family and friends. You can find the link to purchase tickets on the club's website and via a pinned post on our Facebook page. Also, a further shout-out to our sponsors who have stuck with us for 2020, our major sponsors Mulgrave Country Club and OpenCore, our gold sponsors, Waverley Park Physiotherapy, Pinewood Community Bank, Melbourne Payella Company, Stevenson Financial Group, Mick Mastermano, Liberty Advisor, Seal Performance Batteries, and the Stadium Fish and Chippery. We truly appreciate your ongoing support in this difficult time. Our final guest this week is Wendy Stitzer, our former canteen manager and parent of one of our under-14 girls. Welcome to Hawk Talk, Wendy. Thanks for having me, Lindsay. Um, firstly, just tell us a little about yourself, such as like what you do for work, uh, leisure and hobbies, etc. So like, uh, who is Wendy Stitzer? Uh, so work, I'm working at a girls' school, girls' secondary school. Uh, working in the reception area and student reception area. So I get to hang out with all the girls for most of my day, which is great. 
um, leisure and hobbies. There's not a lot of time for that in our house, uh, running around after the three girls with all their sports and hobbies and everything that they like to do. Um, but I do try and get involved as much as I can in each of their sports. Um, I've been team manager for quite a few of their sports, um, even Piper's rep cricket, which was amusing because I don't really know anything about cricket. Um, I, in fact, know less about cricket than I do football. Dale, I'm fairly sure you had no connection to the club when you first started in the canteen. What brought you to the club initially? Well, actually, I used to work with Linda Ross uh, during the week. Uh, so then she, you know, conned me into coming down and helping her out on a Sunday when she got stuck in the canteen at Lum. And I ended up just doing it every week. So started doing that, just helping her out and then hung around. And then coincidentally, it just so happened that my husband Lee works with Linda's husband. So funny little little story there. Small world in some regards, isn't it? Yeah, it was. It was. So when the Ross family left the club because Jack had finished up playing there, what was it that then made you consider taking on the, the role of basically running both canteens or overseeing both canteens? I think it was just, I, it, I really enjoyed it. It was quite social. You'd often get the same people coming and helping out at the canteens. You know, each time you saw, you know, say under 14 boys, for example, you know, it was usually the same sort of same parents that would come and help. Um, so it was really social and I was only working part-time at the at that time um, in my normal weekday job. So I had the time on the weekend that I could, you know, help out at the footy. So, yeah, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I was just about to ask you what you enjoyed the most about the role, but it sounds as though you've already answered that through the social side of it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, really social. You know, the kids all um, come past. Um, a lot of the kids come and chat. You get to know quite a few of them and the families. Um, and our kids, you know, would hang out there for a bit, you know, in between footy games or whatever was going on. They'd pop down and hang out with the kids as well. Now, you've run the canteens out of Lum Reserve, Wellington Reserve, the old pavilion at Columbia, a season, a season in a portable kitchen, <laughs> and now the new canteen and kitchen at uh, Columbia. Firstly, how was that season in the portables? The portables, that year, that was an interesting one. Um, it was fun, actually. It was a bit of a laugh. Um, all the other teams that would come along would always have a bit of a laugh at, you know, the setup. Um, it was interesting because there was always issues with the power uh, and you could only have a certain amount of things plugged into the power boards at once. So you could either have the dim sim machine or the hot water, but you couldn't have both. Uh, so usually throughout the throughout the day there'd be no hot water and then we'd have to switch over and turn the hot water on so that then you'd have something to mop the floors and do the dishes at the end of the day. So the power was the big thing. It, it really kept it interesting. Yeah. And so what's your impression of the new canto at Columbia in the new building? Oh, it's just palatial. It's fabulous. There's so much space and the storage, the storage was the best thing because that was the thing that was always lacking um, even over at Lum. Um, was the storage so heaps of space to keep everything so you don't have to be shopping as often um, and just you know the facilities were great so you know you could do more things so hopefully then bringing in more money for the club so it was good. What were the most popular items at the canteen during your time? Uh, always sour straps the kids love those sour straps um, and probably for the adults the dimmies always went down well and they're always a, a pocket warmer also 
uh, and the coffee. Um, anyone that came from other clubs always liked that we they'd say real coffee. We had good coffee. Any funny or unusual stories from your time? Um, don't want to embarrass anyone with names, but uh, anything funny happened during your time at the canteen? No, I think the the just the funny little things is when we'd have people come from other clubs, you know, over to the the fancy side of the of town. And they'd always come and, you know, particularly when we're in the container, that was amusing when they'd come and want an almond latte. And, you know, we're working out of a, a can, you know, the small little canteen and they'd be lucky, you know, they weren't having to have instant coffee. So an almond latte, that was an interesting request that we got quite often. That's an interesting request full stop. <laughs> now, you'd. Your daughter Piper now plays at the club, so it must have been difficult not being able to watch the majority of her games. Um, how did you feel about that? Yeah, I only saw a few of her games, um, and it was only obviously when she was playing when I was in the canteen. So even then, you didn't really get to see a lot of the games. So sort of the first quarter, you'd be serving the, the team before, and then the last quarter, you'd be getting ready for the next team. Um and the first year that I was at LUM, she was playing her games at Columbia. And then I finally switched to Columbia Canteen and then she started playing at Wellington. Um, but she used to come past after her game, like before and after. She'd usually come to beforehand to get her hair fixed or pulled up or whatever Dad couldn't help her with. And then she'd come past for a hot dog or something on the way back. So she'd always fill me in with uh, how the game went. So now you've um, retired as the Canteen Manager. And can just can just be a parent watching Piper on Sundays. Um, oh, I know. So that's going to be good for you. Um, on behalf of the club, we'd like to thank you for your contribution over the last four to five years. They're going to be big shoes to fill for the two ladies taking over the role this season, assuming we can actually operate a canteen. That's a big thank you from, from the club. And now it's time to lighten up the conversation a little with a couple of this or that type questions to finish with. Coffee or tea? Oh, definitely coffee. Uh, sports drink or water? Uh, I don't really like either, to be honest. Pie or sausage roll? Always a sausage roll. Dim sims or chips? Oh, dim sims. Not a big fan of chips at all. Uh, killer python or zappo? Oh, go the killer python. I don't actually know which – what AFL team do you follow? Well, I don't really follow any team, but if I was to pick a team, it would be the Sydney Swans. So uh, apart from the Sydney Swans then, who do you think will win this year's AFL Premiership? Um, let's go with Hawthorne. Yeah, okay. Well, the local team sort of for the Waverley Park Hawks. Yeah. Okay, that that's the end of the uh, end of it for you, Wendy. Thanks very much for your time. No worries, thank you. And thanks very much once again for uh, the time you put into the club at the canteen over the last four or five years. <laughs> it was good fun. Thanks. And that is the end of this week's show. Don't forget the Toyota Good for Football raffle, likely to be the club's only major fundraiser. Looking forward to having Nick Thompson co-host the program. Thanks once again to our guests, Andrew, Piper and Wendy. And in our next episode, we have an extended interview with the CEO of the SMJFL, Sarah Lowe, 
and learn a little about her journey to the SMJFL and the challenges of managing the impact of COVID-19. If you have any suggestions for segments or want to be part of the show, then let me know. That is it for this week. Go Hawks!